Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, nutritionist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialise in women's health and the menopause. There are multiple ways that diet and lifestyle can support you through the challenges of midlife. And my latest book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with all my best nutritional advice to help you tailor your diet to your menopause symptoms. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. We all know that cooking with fresh ingredients can make a huge difference to our health and well-being. But that can be easier said than done when you're juggling the demands of a busy life. And if you're not especially confident in the kitchen, it can seem very daunting to start cooking from scratch if you're worn out after a busy day. But help is at hand in today's episode, as I'm joined by the brilliant chef Fiona Staunton, who's made it her mission to make cooking good food uncomplicated, quick and easy. Doesn't that sound good? But first, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Better You, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. We need optimum levels of vitamin D to absorb the calcium, which keeps our bones strong and healthy. And that's why a supplement really is a non-negotiable for women in midlife. Vitamin D also plays a key role in supporting immune function, protecting against infection, and it can influence our mood and mental health too. I'm a big fan of the Better You Vitamin D Oral Sprays, which include products suitable for all the family that are very simple to use and with a delicious peppermint flavour. Discover their full range of vitamin and mineral sprays and their wonderfully calming magnesium products, which come as lotions, bath salts and skin sprays by visiting betteryou.com forward slash THM, where listeners can get 20% off at checkout using the code THM, subject to terms and conditions. So that's B-E-T-T-E-R-Y-O-U.com forward slash THM plus the discount code THM, which stands for the happy menopause. Nice and easy to remember. And so on to today's episode. Meet the delightful Fiona Staunton. She's a Ballymaloe trained chef and the founder of Fiona's Food for Life, which specializes in in-person and virtual cooking demonstrations to create healthy treats and to take the hassle out of home-cooked meals for the whole family. She's full of fantastic practical tips to make our lives easier and our meals more delicious. So let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Fiona. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm delighted to have a chat with you here today. Well, me too. I just love talking about my food. In fact, I honestly, it couldn't be a better job for me spending all day talking about food. So (laughs) this is going to be one of my favorite podcasts because we'll be really drilling down into it. But before we do all of that, tell us your story. What's your background and, and how did it lead to where you are now? I trained as a chef in Ballymaloo Cookery School. But just before that, I did a degree in home economics teaching in Trinity College in Dublin. So I'm based in oh. Ireland and ran my own catering business for a while and, you know, really enjoyed working around food. I lived in Australia for eight years. Fast tracks, I, I suppose, to the last seven years where I set up my business and I just love helping people with a problem around food. So if somebody comes to me and said they've been told to eat X, Y and Z, 
how are they going to fit it in with the family and their skills, etc. I love just simplifying that and making cooking good food uncomplicated. So that's kind of where I am on the, the cooking side of things. And then unfortunately, three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had a mastectomy and reconstruction and oh, I'm in induced menopause. Right. So that means it's, yeah, symptoms like falling off a cliff and I can't have any hormone treatment. So I really turned to food to see what could alleviate my symptoms. And that's where I suppose I'm on this more um, menopause journey and looking at the food that can help me. Wow. Okay. I just want to go back and unpick some of that because that's <laughs> a lot of stuff you've been dealing with. So first of all, it sounds as if food and cooking was a thing from the start. It wasn't that you went off and studied accountancy and, and left your first love behind. You've always been involved in food. Yeah. I started doing work experience at age 14 in the kitchen. So yeah. Wow. So what do you think was the inspiration for all of that? I suppose my mum was always a good cook and always had dinner parties and I'd help so just so I could stay up late. And my grandmother was also an amazing cook. Like she used to make her own Irish Baileys liqueur and oh, she used to make loads of things. So I was always surrounded by food and I always had a great interest in it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that sort of growing up at your mother or your grandmother's knee and just just watching what goes on in the kitchen is something that doesn't happen so much now because we're all so busy. And I think it makes perhaps a big difference if you can get that early influence. Absolutely. I think it's a skill that unfortunately has been lost. It's too much convenient. Things are just too easy to to come to your hands. And people, a lot of people haven't seen within the families of, of making bread or pastries or biscuits or whatever it might be. And I think that has been lost. So yeah, ideally in the schools, we need to start with it, but we're getting there. Yeah. Well, do you know, it's interesting. I was reading an article yesterday by the, the chef, Nigel Slater, and mm -hmm. he was looking at sort of 30 years of publishing his recipes in the Guardian newspaper. And the article said that when he was looking back at some of the older ones, he realized how much shorter the recipes used to be compared to now. And he thinks the reason they have to be a lot more detailed now is that people don't have that background in cooking that they've grown up with through cooking at school, cooking at home. So they need a lot more specific information on some of the basic things that in earlier recipes he didn't need to explain. Yeah, I suppose I could see how that, that could happen all right. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. Gosh, so home economics and then tell us about the, the cooking school because I believe it's a very oh. famous cookery school. Oh, it's absolutely amazing, Jackie. So it's on an organic farm. It's been operating. We just celebrated the 40th anniversary. Wow. It was so immersive. So you live there. We would have people who want to go into the industry, people who will be on a gap year, someone who's just always wanted to do it for their lives. So there's a big mix of people that would do it. And every afternoon there is a cookery demo by either Dorina Allen or her brother Rory O'Connell or her daughter-in-law, Rachel Allen. And then the next day you would cook those dishes yourself and then you sit down and you have it for lunch and I wasn't ever a tea or coffee drinker you go into the garden and I pick lemon balm and I would make my own lemon balm oh, tea instantly and, fabulous oh it was amazing like all the scraps from the kitchen were sent out to the chickens at the end of the day you'll pick up the eggs at the beginning herbs were all from the garden it, we would saw how cheese was made how smoked salmon was smoked oh so many really fabulous things and it was really original farm to fork type of experience. Yeah, that sounds incredible. So when you left there, what was the first thing you did? They have a, a five-star hotel nearby and I went to work there for a year. 
so under Myrtle Allen, and it was one of the first Michelin-starred restaurants in Ireland. And, you know, it's it had a huge oh, history. Fabulous. Great. And again, and course, that was on a farm. Yeah, and it would have had the same ethos as, as the school. So it would have been a great way to sort of build on what you were doing. It was. Goodness it was me. just so nice. So the cancer must have been a bit of a bolt from the blue. Totally. And it was in lockdown. My father had only died a couple of months earlier. So I was then looking after my mum. And oh. luckily, it was caught very early. So I would say to anyone who feels any slight difference, just get it checked. Um, yeah, absolutely. And don't ignore those routine mammograms either. You know, it's very easy to put them off when we're all so busy. But it's really important to be ahead of ourselves on these things, isn't it? Yeah. And for me, it just felt like it was firm. So it was like when I was breastfeeding and I didn't know which breast was next. It just felt firm. There was no lump. But by the time they did the surgery, there were four tumours uh, and I had a mastectomy. So it was very quick. Oh, my goodness. So I suppose that was very much the inspiration for making sure that when you're looking at the menopause side of things, given that you are entirely limited to making sure that you look at your own diet and lifestyle as your way of managing it, that that was what sort of led you forward to that. Absolutely, because as far as I understand, I have the equivalent level of a hundred year old woman in terms of estrogen and it is needed for so many different things, as you well know, Jackie. So I just turned to my food. I already had a very healthy, balanced diet, mm. but I was lacking in potentially from phytoestrogen. So that's kind of been one of my big, big friends. Yeah, yeah. So Fiona's Food for Life then is all about that that cooking side of things for women uh, in menopause of whatever age it might be. Yes, well, it's really for everyone, but I specialize, I suppose, in menopause. But it's just making cooking good food uncomplicated. Sometimes I have clients who might be retired or a family or just I just love helping people to make cooking much easier. Yeah, that sounds great. So what does a typical week look like for you now? Ooh, there's no, no one typical week, but um, <laughs> what I so I have two teenage kids and I also um, help look after my mum. She is in a nursing home now at this stage. So I have all of that to, to juggle with. But I bring my kitchen into the workplace. So basically what I would do, with, they might have a workplace well-being program or they might be doing the six week menopause cooking program. And I pack up all of the equipment, all of the food, et cetera, that I need. And I bring it into a workplace, into their breakout area or the boardroom and people see things being made from scratch and they taste, smell and see things being made. And then the idea is they're inspired to, to do it themselves. So yeah. I would do that once or twice in the week. And then if I'm running my online program, I will do that virtually to anywhere all over the world. And it's all about cooking in real time, Jackie. So it's not a whole pile of containers of things that are chopped and ready to go and hey presto there's dinner in five minutes yeah it's, as I chop an onion I show you that skill it's a little bit like you said about Nigel Slater going back to the the more instructions but also what's in season how to store it how to get better use from it how to make things quicker for yourself so it's all of those type of things that that I would do and then I do some teaching in a secondary school here as well so yeah, balancing that as well as fitness, kids, family, new puppy, all sorts of things going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a busy life. So, I mean, we touched on this a little bit a minute ago, but what do you think are the biggest barriers to eating well? Knowledge, I think, is one of them, as we touched on, you know, that people mm. don't necessarily know, and that ties into, you know, educating people. I think advertising and making things so easy to have, where 
a lot of the time things would be sold as being really good value, but actually it mightn't be good nutrients in it at all. And you would be much better value buying something in season and making it up yourself than purchasing that ready-made meal that has additives and things in it, which are going to have a negative effect on your body. So I think it's a combination of people not quite knowing, but then the push and the pressure from be it social media or mainstream advertising on being persuaded to have those foods that really mightn't have the best love for your body. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, given that we're all in a cost of living crisis now as well, mm. I think the fact of the matter is that it all ends up being pretty expensive. And although certain raw ingredients can be also very expensive, there's an awful lot of things that aren't. And if you eat seasonally, as you say, it can make a big difference. Exactly. And it's no two people are the same and no two menopauses are the same. So it's accessible to, to everybody. You know, you really can. If you're cooking with lentils, they are so inexpensive. They go so far. They're not going to raise your blood sugar. I mean, you know all of these things, but they, they're they not yeah. that difficult to cook. And they can be yeah, good if you, you've thing. got a tight budget. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges perhaps also is the question of confidence. Mm. Because if you haven't been brought up with a family who cook, or if you haven't had sort of cooking lessons at school, it's often sort of quite difficult to think, oh, well, it's all a bit of a mystery. And Fiona makes it sound great, but I couldn't do that. So what's your advice to people who aren't confident in the kitchen? Small changes. So don't try and change everything overnight. Just try maybe one new recipe or one new skill. There's lots of lots of videos out there on YouTube, be it mine or somebody else's, that you can watch and you can stop and pause and you can go along with it. But it's really about making one small change, add in maybe one new recipe in a week or try some new food that you haven't tried rather than overnight trying to change everything. So that would probably be the first thing that I would be thinking of. And the other one will be to plan, because if you plan, you can spend less money, less time in the kitchen. You can make better choices on on the food that you're, you're going to eat and less time at the shops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you've planned, there's nothing like it after a busy day that you already know what you're going to eat. Perhaps you've even batch cooked it at the weekend. That's I don't do that as often as I should. But when I do, it's a joy to know that I don't sort of finish a busy day when I'm tired and think, oh, now what have I got to cook? Because it's done. Love that feeling, Jackie. When I walk out in the morning and I know dinner is ready for later, be it something I put in the slow cooker or something I've taken out of, it's just... A nice, relaxing yeah. breath that you, yes, <laughs> I'm on a winner no, today. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk menopause and perimenopause. What are your favorite foods to support that and to deal with the symptoms? Okay, so for me, it's lentils, flax seeds, and soybeans, rich in phytoestrogens. So those yeah. three would be my main go to, shall we say. Um, I'll give you an example soybeans. So I, I eat everything. I would do a lot of plant-based cooking, but I eat meat, fish, I eat everything. I would eat edamame beans, which are the young soybeans, and they are brilliant. I just find they're great. I can add them into smoothies or salads, so many different things. or just nibble on them, yeah. and I know I'm yeah. getting my protein, my phytoestrogens, etc. But soy wasn't something that I really used much before, but I have come up with something I really love now. I get tempeh, which is fermented soybeans, as you would well know. But for your listeners, it's fermented uh, soybeans in a block. And I will chop it up into yeah. little cubes, put it in a little dish and put a little drizzle of extra virgin olive oil on it, a little bit of Chinese five spice and a tiny little bit of salt. And then if you have an air fryer, you pop it in there for 10 minutes. comes out beautiful, crunchy. If you don't, you can just do it on a pan on the hob and just stir it around. And it is 
it's great. It's so nice. You can put it on top of salads or soups or as as a snack. And I really, really love that. So I would get organic uh, soy or tofu or tempeh that I would use in the cooking. So that is kind of a newish one for me. I used to have that beforehand. And then the flax seeds. I make a flaxseed bread, which is a lovely focaccia style bread. So it can be great for sandwiches. I make. Oh, that does sound mm, good. It's yummy. And I make chocolate flaxseed bars. So they are so nice. I've got oh. pumpkin, sunflower seeds, flax seeds. I have some dates in there. I have some nut butter and it's all band together. And then on top, I put uh, dark chocolate and creamed coconut and it keeps for about three weeks in my fridge and a little square of that is amazing. And I just know I'm getting so many nutrients in that. Okay, quick question. It would sound delicious, but I hate coconut. I know it's good in lots of ways and everything. So if people love it, great, but I just can't stand it. So what would I put there instead of cream coconut? In that instance, I would just put the plain melted chocolate on top. And the only thing you oh. need to watch out for is when you're cutting it, take it out of the fridge about 30 minutes before you actually cut it in. So it's set, but before you cut mm. it, because the chocolate is more likely to crack and you won't get as even right. squares if you don't have that creamed coconut in it. But it's not essential at all. And in all of my recipes, I always give variations. That's a great question. Great. Well, you know, I'm just thinking about myself really there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I'm sure there are other people out there who don't like coconut. I'm going to go with that. Okay. So um, we, we touched on meal prep a minute ago. Uh, and I, I think we both agree that it's really important. But I mean, what, what, what's the sort of golden rule of meal prep? How can we actually make sure that we do it as opposed to doing it every so often and remembering how good it is and then promptly not doing it again? Okay, so I have little planners that I do, and I'm happy to give you a link for all of your listeners. So I have a little planner, and then on the back of it is a shopping list uh, template as well. So what I do on a Sunday is I will say to everyone in the household, so I have two teenagers and my husband, and I say, what do you want for the week? So each person will choose a meal within my repertoire that they would have once in the week. So it's you're kind of respecting each other's choices. And if they can do it, cook it for you, that's even better. But I will map out what we're going to have. And I will say, okay, Wednesday is the day that's really busy. I've got meetings and I'm running people here, there or everywhere. That will be one that'll be done in the freezer that I'll made a day before, or I'll make it the nice. day before. So it's planning around your schedule, your likes and your ability and just planning everything. So like I might make a red lentil dal and that would be good for lunch for a good few days throughout the week. So there's, it's really about planning it all in first of all, and then working through what you can do, making one list. And um, I do one main shop. Obviously, you might pop into the fishmongers or you, if you're getting um, leafy greens, you might get those locally nearer the time. But it's, mm. it's just about making sure that you have healthy snacks when you need them. So you make the right choices and that you have all the food to hand, that you don't go to the supermarket them and you're hungry and, you know, or reach for the takeout. You have all the ingredients there and you're organized. OK, great advice. What about people who live alone? You know, several of my clients sort of get into habits where they say, well, oh, I just can't be bothered to cook. It's not just it's not worth it for me. Personally, I always think it's worth it for you. But it does mean also if you're doing batch cooking, you would sort of 
often end up having exactly the same meal three or four days in a row because you haven't got the hungry teenagers getting mm-hmm. rid of everything. So what's your advice for solo cooks? Okay, so still you can do one effort that yields lots, but I would do something like I make a lentil salad, which I make with cherry tomatoes and capers, and I top it off with chopped nuts. That salad will keep for about three days. So I might have it today with my dinner and then tomorrow I have my lunch or I might have it two days later then again with a, with a dinner, etc. Mm. So it's spreading it out. But I might also have an edamame pea mint and feta salad with it. So I might make the lentil salad on the Monday, the edamame on the Tuesday, but it means I still have them without having exactly the same thing. I still have them dipping in and out. So I have two different salads, if you like. And then the third day you right. might get three and then I would mix up a nice piece of fish or a piece of chicken or something each of the different days. My main source of protein will be different, but I would always have these nutritious things to add on to the side without causing much effort. Right. Okay. So let's look at breakfast because that's often the most squeezed meal of the day. And, you know, even if people are doing time restricted eating and and perhaps operating on the 16-8 where they only eat at about 11am and finish at 7pm within that eight hour window. Breakfast is still breakfast, whatever time you have it. And I think it's incredibly important to get it right. But often it's happening at a really busy time. So what are your sort of top tips for breakfast? Yeah. So if I'm having a breakfast, say on the go or when I'm in the office or whatever it might be, I love making a muesli. So I make up a muesli with uh, organic locally produced oats, and then I will put in nuts and seeds and maybe a bit of cinnamon to kind of give it that almost sweetness. And I will then put on top of that, uh, I make a chia berry compote. So you're getting the omega-3s and the nutrients from the chia seeds, as well as the uh, frozen berries. And then I will put milk kefir on top, or you could put a yogurt, a Greek yogurt. So the milk kefir I make at home every day and it's really good as you know for your, for your for your gut health but for your listeners it can be made really easily with these kind of cottage cheese grains that you just put in organic milk and strain it off each day so it's really good for your yeah, gut because you can buy kefir starter kits can't you online exactly and now you can actually buy it in in the supermarkets as well but i just put that in a jam jar so i got a, a nice wide jam jar and i will put the muesli in the chia compote in and my kefir my greek yogurt and i'll take it away with me and i can have it whenever is the right time for me to eat that. The other one is very similar to that would be the overnight oats. So you would prep mm, it up. nice and easy. Yeah, prep it up the night before. So all you literally do is grab it as you're going out the door and it's ready again for you when the time is right for you to eat. So they will be my, my two top breakfasts on the go. And if you're at home, I would often have an so overnight oats, um, just so everyone's clear, that's when you'll actually prepare them the night before, put lots of goodies in and put them in the fridge. Yeah? Yes. So it's almost like an uncooked porridge. So, yeah. yeah. So you're getting your oats and you're soaking them in a liquid. Usually I like to do uh, like a Greek yogurt or a kefir, but you could do some water or you could do a little bit of an apple juice if you wanted, just watching with your, your sugar levels, as you all know. And I would put nuts and seeds in with that. And all you do is you just it's for one cup of oats, it's one and a half cups of liquid. So if you want to use a plant based milk, that's fine. Stir it up and leave it ready and it's ready overnight. Yeah. And the beauty of that is that that soaking overnight is what's known as activation and activating your oats and activating your your nuts and seeds 
actually makes the, the nutrients more absorbable. So again, really good for your gut and particularly good for anyone who's sort of struggling with digestive issues. I think overnight oats is a great one. Yeah, it is. It's super. And then the other one, then if I'm at home or, you know, near the, the cooker, I might make a, an omelette and I would then serve that with kimchi. So another fermented food that I love. So it's a Korean fermented cabbage and maybe a slice of sourdough. So they're kind of my top tips for breakfast. Yeah, it sounds great. I make my own granola because I, I like the crunch of granola, but most granolas in the stores are really sugary. And the healthy ones that I sort of approve of, as it were, A, tend to be really expensive, and B, they've got coconut in. (laughs) So so the bliss for me of making my own is that I I can be super fussy about everything that goes in there. And it's so much cheaper. It lasts Mm -hmm. me absolutely ages when I make a batch. You can pay sort of five pounds or more for a decent granola. It's it's a shocker, really. And I'm not mad on dried food. So like you, if I were to buy one, most of them have dried food in it. So again... Wouldn't touch that. Yeah, yeah. So mine's all about oats and nuts and seeds. And I just love it. Yeah, I love it too. And and it's great as a snack. So it doesn't just have to be a breakfast when we have, like when the kids come in from school, they'll take out some Greek yogurt and, and throw some granola on top. And you just know that you're adding more nutrients to what you currently have. So yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. We, I mean, you've given us quite a few ideas for evening meals already, but I think lunch is always a challenge, particularly when you're on the go. So any ideas about lunch? Okay, so I've probably mentioned it once or twice, but the red lentil dal, I just love that. So a dal oh, is an Indian awesome. dish. And traditionally, it would be you would have a curry and a rice and a dal. But this one, I kind of serve it more like a super stew. And when you make one batch, I mean, it costs less than a euro or a pound a portion. It freezes really well. It's so nutritious. It's tasty. And it's a slow release of energy. So that will be a great one for lunch. Often I will have, I might go with the omelets again, or more often than not, I have something from the day before or the day before that. So I might have say the lentil salad and the edamame salad I mentioned earlier on, and then I'll take a tin of sardines or mackerel with it. So I know I'm getting my omega-3 because for me, the the joint pain was a really bad symptom. So I really watch to make sure that I'm getting the omega-3. And I can take those salads with me and I can take the tin of sardines with me. So if I'm on the go, I just open it up and it's there it is ready to go. So yeah, that's probably an example of some of my lunches. Yeah. And, and I know at this point, I'm certainly my mouth more watering with all of this and people are probably thinking this all sounds great, but can we find Fiona's recipes on her website? So can we, Fiona? Absolutely. Yes. So my website is fionasfoodforlife.ie because I'm based in Ireland. And there's also links there to my Instagram, my Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. So we mentioned about some people who maybe don't know how to cook or don't know the best way to chop an onion or to make pastry. There's loads of free videos there on my YouTube channel that people can can go to and and check it all out so they can get some help in the kitchen. Great. Well, I'll be sure to put links to all of those in the show notes so everyone can find them easily. But yes, back to ideas. I think the next thing that people tend to trip up on is that sort of mid to late afternoon snack when you're feeling, you know, we all know it, it's happened to all of us, you know, the blood sugar's crashed and you're thinking, well, time for the chocolate. Can you give us some ideas for original snacks? Because, you know, one of my favorites, and I'm often recommending it in my nutrition clinic, you know, it's 
hummus and carrots and that's great but you know you can have a lot of hummus and carrots <laughs> so what what other stuff what have you got any clever ideas for quick and easy snacks that would work okay i have a few so one of them i mentioned earlier on which was the chocolate flaxseed bars so they are absolutely beautiful and particularly when you want that kind of sweetish hit but a slightly more savory one we might do toasted seeds so i do sunflower and pumpkin seeds and like you spoke about earlier about activating i activate those seeds and I sprinkle them with a little bit of liquid aminos, which is the protein from the soybean, which you can buy in a health food shop. And it gives it a beautiful umami flavor. So the seeds are just crisp. They're not golden, but they're just crisp. And they can store in a jar for a good few weeks. So it's a great one mm. to have in the drawer, in your desk, in the glove box, in your car, in your gym bag, because you can have a little, you know, a small handful of those can be so tasty and satisfying, but also so nutritious. That would be one. Toasted chickpeas with your favorite spices. Yeah. yeah that's- I love doing that. And it's so quick and easy, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. And I like to do them in the oven because I find if you're doing them on the hob, it, you need to watch it that little bit more. And one side might get mm. more toasted than the other. Whereas if you do it in the oven, so you rinse and drain the chickpeas, you will put them with salt, extra virgin olive oil, and then whatever you like. So I like smoked paprika, but you might want to do Cajun or, or to put the whole seeds like coriander and those type of things and pop it uh, into the oven. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And you can really tailor it to your sort of spice level as well, can't you, that way? Absolutely. So it's, it's you know, you're in control. You you make the decision. And the other really quick one is, and this is more suited if you're at home, would be a medjool date, which they are really the creme de creme. Oh, mm. they're so creamy and moist. Love a date. Yeah, they're really nice. But that with a little teaspoon of a nut butter in it. And just pop it into your mouth and it just tastes like a Snickers bar without the chocolate on the outside. And it's made in seconds. So they'd be my some of my tips. Yeah, and that's music to everyone's ears, I think, made in seconds. <laughs> because so many of us are just, you know, juggling too many balls. What's your advice to people who are saying, well, all of this sounds great. And, you know, yes, I'd love to do it, but I just don't have time. Number one is plan. You just got to plan. You just got to stop when you know, whatever day it might work for you, but when, not when you're hungry, when you are kind of feel like there's the turn in the week for you, it might be a Friday, Sunday, whatever it might be, but it's just plan. What do I like to cook? What do I want to cook? What food is going to love me? And planning what's going to be done for the week and, and whoever's going to do it. Using your freezer, that can be really beneficial, particularly when it comes to, you know, for those busy days, you have something you just take out and you're, you know, you're winning before you walk out the door in the morning. Yeah. And I also look at dishes where one effort yields lots. The dal will be one example. Let me give another example. And I've mentioned the lentil salad, the edamame salad. But even if you were taking like a chili, I would roast peppers and tomatoes and onions in the oven. And then I will make a three bean chili and I will add tomatoes and things in it. I'll make it into one pot. That will yield lots of meals. So it's going to take me only a tiny bit longer to make several meals as it might do to make one dish where it's only going to work for me tonight. So I would look at those type of things where it's going to yield lots of meals, like the muesli or the granola you're going to make yourself. One effort will yield lots of meals. 
Yeah, yeah, because there is nothing more stressful as as the week progresses. Each night, having to think, oh, I haven't got anything. I've got to go and grab something, and it's going to take time, and I'm tired. Oh, I'll just do a takeaway instead, and that's what we want to just sort of steer clear from. So, I think that's really good advice, and I suppose it also comes down to a bit of practice. So, it'll take a bit more time at the beginning to get used to doing the planning and to get going with it. But once you're in a bit of a routine with it and become more expert it goes more smoothly. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Now, you've already given us your website, which is great. Um, What about your social media if people want to follow you? And also, I believe you have a a course coming up soon. I do. So tell us more. Great. So I'm most active on Instagram, which is Fiona's Food for Life. And I share lots of free recipes, videos, tips, etc. But I run a six-week menopause cooking course. So it's a virtual cooking course and it's run, well, if you're listening live, it's starting in October 23, but I usually have one starting starting soon. So you can check out on my website. But what I do is I look at areas of cooking for heart health and bone health and inflammation, joint stiffness, those type of areas. And we look at foods mm. that you need to support yourself in those areas and how best to incorporate those into your weekly plans and your menus. And I will cook four dishes from scratch during that time, as well as sharing all of my tips. And there's the opportunity for questions. And I link back into a whole pile of experts like yourself in terms of, you know, the happy menopause and your your book and nutrition and people who might be more expert in the heart health area, etc. So for me, Mm, I'm the mm. practical cooking side, but I will give you links to all of the other resources and experts in that area, as well as my ebook with nearly 80 different recipes in it. Oh, that sounds great. So the course, it's over six weeks. And and how long is each session? Each session is 90 minutes, but it's recorded. So if you cannot make that one live, you still have all the recordings until one month after the end of the course. Oh, it sounds absolutely great. Okay. Well, I'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes as well. So everybody make sure you check out the show notes because you're going to get lots of really useful, helpful stuff from Fiona there. Okay. Well, we better wrap up now. So I'm going to finish with my favorite question, which is really coming from a cooking angle from you. What are your top two tips for, for women in midlife who are struggling with the menopause? Okay. So the first one I know I have said a few times was the planning to get the whole household involved less time shopping, less time in the kitchen and better choices. And the second one would be in your trolley, put a really good quality extra virgin olive oil, lentils, flax seeds and organic soy. So it might be a tempeh, a different soy product or a tofu or edamame beans. But I think put those things in your trolley and plan and hopefully that'll help you thrive a bit more through menopause. Right. So you're putting them in the trolley and then building around Mm, it. Yeah. I love that idea. That's incredibly helpful. Oh, Fiona, I could talk to you for hours. and My mouth is watering, though, so I need to go and do some cooking after all this. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. It was lovely. Thank you, Jackie. I don't know about you, but my mouth is watering after all those delicious dishes Fiona described. If you'd like to find out more about her work, follow her on social media, or join one of her regular menopause cookery courses, The next one starts on the 11th of October, 2023. You can find all the details in the show notes in the podcast page of my website, well-well-well.co.uk. If you're after targeted nutritional advice on which foods can help to manage specific menopause symptoms, check out my book, The Happy Menopause, 
Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, which is an A to Z symptom guide of managing your menopause through diet and lifestyle. It's available in all the usual places. If you've enjoyed the podcast, remember to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And please give it a five-star rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. I'd be so grateful. And do tell your friends and family about it too. It really does make a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast so that more women can find the show. After all, every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.